0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. Your host is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. Beta blockers, anticoagulants, stenting procedures, and bypass surgeries. These are all crucial cornerstones of cardiology that have saved and improved the quality of lives for our patients. Yet the underlying causes of coronary artery disease aren't addressed by interventions and medications. Can we prevent and maybe even reverse heart disease by prescribing a plant-based diet? Our guest today is Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. He's director of the Cardiovascular Prevention and Reversal Program at the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute in Lyndhurst, Ohio. Welcome, Dr. Esselstyn.
1: Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you today.
0: Well, I can't wait to uh, hear more of the story that you are spinning here. I know a few decades ago, uh, what I've read is that you became disillusioned or disappointed in the way that heart disease was being handled by you and your colleagues. Can you share with us where you were at that point in your career?
1: Yes, absolutely. This had its inception when I was actually chairman of our Breast Cancer Task Force I think my concern increasingly became the fact that no matter how many women I was doing breast surgery for, I was doing absolutely nothing for the next unsuspecting victim. And that sort of led to a global research to try to find out whether there are other areas of the world where breast cancer was less frequent. And it wasn't long before it was apparent that places like Kenya, breast cancer was something like 20 or 30 times less frequent than the United States. And in rural Japan in the 1950s, breast cancer was most infrequently encountered. And yet, as soon as the Japanese women would migrate to the United States for the second and third generation, they now had the same rate of breast cancer as their Caucasian counterpart. And perhaps even more compelling was cancer of the prostate in Japan. In 1958, in the entire nation of Japan, how many autopsy-proven deaths were there from cancer of the prostate? Eighteen, which is probably one of the most Mind boggling public health figures that I've encountered. And yet, by 1978, they were up to 137 deaths in Japan, which still pales in comparison to the 28,000 who will perish from cancer of the prostate in this country. Well, at that point, I probably made a decision that was not entirely accurate. I kind of felt that my bones would long be dust before I could really do some research in nutrition and show a difference in, in cancer. In hindsight, I think that probably was not correct. But nevertheless, The decision at that time was made to really look at cardiac disease, coronary artery disease, the leading killer of women and men in Western civilization because it was apparent that in any number of cultures in this review, it was quite striking that those that were plant-based, coronary artery disease was virtually non-existent. And so that was the basis for my initial study that had its start back in 1985 before we ever had any statins, just to see if we could take patients who were seriously ill with coronary artery disease and get them to go plant-based and see if we couldn't arrest or perhaps even reverse their disease.
0: I actually love what you've written, that coronary artery disease is essentially a benign foodborne illness.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that we make such a big deal of it, but really if we get down to the brass tacks of this, there is total agreement among experts that this disease has its inception because of injury to the endothelial carpet, which lines all the blood vessels And it was really quite striking to understand that, if the truth be known, coronary artery disease is nothing more than a toothless paper tiger. that need never exist. And if it does exist, it need never, ever progress. This is a foodborne illness. And so before we really even had much of an understanding of the endothelial cells, just by mimicking those nations that were plant-based and applying plant-based nutrition to patients who were seriously ill with coronary artery disease... We found that not only could we stop the disease, but often we would achieve striking angiographic evidence of regression, which is in the book. That was really sort of the foothold and the foundation for where we got started.
0: And you've been directing your efforts not only at reversing or regressing CAD, but also in primary prevention?
1: Well, that's absolutely right. If you look at some of the natural experiments that seem to have occurred with coronary artery disease, they are quite compelling. For instance, When you look at the autopsy data of our GIs who died in Korea and in Vietnam, approximately 80% of those who had an autopsy had gross evidence of coronary artery disease that you could see without a microscope.
0: And these were in young men?
1: The average age was 20. And yet, not enough disease yet for them to actually have a cardiac event. That's probably still several decades down the line. But everybody thought, well, maybe it's the stress of the military. However, that didn't hold up very well, because when you looked at the autopsy data of the Koreans in Vietnam and uh, Vietnamese, it was either 1% or 3%. So another study was done about 40 years later in 1999, where, again, the average age of these young people was between 17 and 34. And these were individuals who had perished from either accidents, homicides, and suicides. Now the disease is ubiquitous. That is, everybody seems to have it. Again, not enough to have the cardiac event yet, but certainly it's quite powerful with the fact that everybody who is exposed to Western nutrition seems to develop this disease. When I was moderating a panel several years ago out in Los Angeles, one of my panel members was Lou Culler. And Lou Culler is a professor of public health at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. On that panel that day, as a result of the findings in his 10-year cardiovascular health study, Lou Culler made the following statement. He said that all males who are 65 and all females who are 70 who have been exposed to the traditional Western diet have cardiovascular disease and should be treated as such. And so that's really quite a statement.
0: Yes, it is. And looking at our obesity and diabetes epidemics, particularly now in children and adolescents, you have to wonder if that disease is working its way back down to childhood.
1: No question about that. It really is it does have its inception as a pediatric illness, and I think we have to really <laughs> persuade our pediatric brethren that the time to really get them started on the right type of nutrition is when they're really quite young.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. He's director of the Cardiovascular Prevention and Reversal Program at the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute in Lyndhurst, Ohio. We're discussing the topic, Beyond Interventions and Medication, Can a Plant-Based Diet Really Prevent and Reverse Coronary Artery Disease? And Dr. Esselstyn, please continue.
1: We wanted to really understand why it was, for instance, that a number of patients that would come to us with angina and chest pain. We would often see striking uh, reversal of their symptoms sometimes within 10 days to three or four weeks. And so we did a little pilot study of a what we call a pet rubidium dipyretimol scan, which pretty well showed us with the red cell being labeled how rapidly areas of the myocardium which were not being perfused on the initial baseline scan could regain reperfusion in the subsequent scan. And we saw that happening very frequently between three and six weeks. So, we obviously hadn't washed out any of the plaque within that time period. But the reason that they had their circulation restored was because, with the profound changes that are made, it's apparent that the endothelial cell, which is responsible for making nitric oxide, has regained its capacity to make nitric oxide because that really is the hub of where all coronary disease seems to have its inception. Because we start systematically destroying our endothelial cells as early as probably pre-adolescence. As we destroy the capacity of the endothelial cell to make nitric oxide, we don't have enough nitric oxide to protect ourselves from laying down coronary disease in our 20s. When you think about the functions of nitric oxide, it's really quite striking what a wonderful molecule this is. It keeps our blood flowing smoothly like Teflon rather than Velcro. It is the strongest vasodilator in the body. When we climb stairs, the arteries to our heart, the arteries to our legs dilate. That's nitric oxide. Nitric oxide inhibits the development of inflammation in the wall of the artery. And most important of all, adequate nitric oxide will protect us from developing blockages or plaque. So that really brings us up to the hub of what I think concerns many of us about the present therapy for heart disease. It's almost a foregone conclusion amongst cardiologists and physicians that patients won't uh, change their diet.
0: Well, you're actually getting now to a topic that's dear to my heart, and that is behavior change and sort of the, you've created a compelling case here for a plant-based diet, but we are humans. How have you helped people adhere to a uh, plant-based diet over time?
1: Well, there are two things that I think are so important that we found it works. Literally over now beyond 20 years, I think, is our longest group The reason they adhere is uh, where we throw the hook is really when they begin to fully understand about the endothelial cell and everything we understand about it in phraseology, which they can understand. For instance, the reason that I think that we succeed is, and no physician will feel that they have this amount of time, which is five hours. Namely, we find that we can do this in small groups of seven to ten patients with their spouse. That's terribly important. You must do it with spouse or partner, when both parties suddenly understand that the reason they have this disease is not because of the luck of the draw, not because of stress, not because of their genes. So they have this disease because what has been going uh, past through their lips, every time they ingest these oils, olive oil, corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, anytime they ingest dairy, milk, cream, butter, ice cream, cheese, yogurt, And anytime they ingest anything with a mother, anything with a face, they further injure their endothelial cells. What is so striking and so exciting is how rapidly the endothelial cell will come back when you get patients to fully comprehend this and follow and adhere to what seem to be rather significant nutritional changes. And they are. But at the same time, the reason they succeed is because they get the concept. They understand that the reason that they're getting this disease is because what they've been eating. And as soon as especially they start losing their angina within a few weeks, you've got them absolutely hooked. I think the key thing here, again, is, look, we do this with one single intensive five-hour session with follow-up to email and phone call as necessary. And going over the last uh, some 230 patients that we've treated this way, the compliance seems to be roughly of the order of about
0: 90%. My goodness.
1: And I think it's 90% because of the fact that we have them understand that this interaction that they're having between their physician is the most significant and enduring interaction they will have ever had with the physician. So they suddenly ascribe to the fact, gee, this must be pretty important. (laughs) And then they have the opportunity also to see the angiographic evidence of the fact that this disease not only can be halted, but it can be reversed and they can see putting themselves in that situation as well. So it's been very gratifying, and I do feel that the data is so solid now that rather than just have patients be subjected to drugs and procedures such as stents and bypasses, which really have absolutely nothing to do with the causation of the illness, we are never going to get rid of this epidemic as long as we use pills, procedures, and operations. The way that we're going to end this epidemic really is through patient enlightenment, about lifestyle. And we find that that can be done, and it can be done very effectively, and it can be done in a way that is prompt, powerful, and enduring.
0: That is a powerful testimony. Because there are so many people in this country alone, not to mention burgeoning areas around the world, who need to hear this or need to have the five hours with you and your team, what is your advice about making this approach scalable?
1: I think that that's really something that is emerging. We know, for instance, that I have such an overwhelming reverence for the fund of knowledge that cardiologists and physicians have. And at the same time, I also have a realistic concept for a type of therapy which most insurances don't respond to, which takes up a considerable amount of time. I don't, for a minute, feel that primary care physicians or cardiologists should have to do this themselves. They don't have the time. They don't have the passion, and perhaps they don't have the skill set. But they have to try to develop or have someone in their team or their group apprentice, apprentice with those who do have this skill set. For instance, we have found that both on the West Coast, we've had people apprentice with us up in northern Michigan. We've had it happen in Virginia. In other words, we're more than delighted to have people come and apprentice with us and adapt any of our techniques that they feel they want to, because we know it will work across state borders.
0: (laughs) Dr. Esselstyn, we would love to have you return to the program next week to continue our conversation and hear more about the strategies for implementing a plant-based diet. Thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn about the virtues of a plant-based diet for preventing and possibly even reversing coronary artery disease. Please join us next week to learn more about the clinical applications of a plant-based diet. Dr. Esselstyn, thank you so much for being our guest today.
1: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure and I hope you go plant-based.
0: You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.